Stunt Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Matthew, and I'm back with another spectacular Sense Spotlight. This week, my guest was Spherical Art, aka Paul Peterson. Paul is someone who, as his user handle implies, has been using spheres to create amazing works of art. He's been doing this for about five years, but he has a wealth of experience in digital art that that reaches back decades. I really hope that you enjoy my chat with Paul. And like always, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And share this episode with anyone who you think would dig a deep talk with an amazing creator. Thanks, everyone. Okay. And we're live. This is Matthew, and I'm back with another exciting episode of The Scent Spotlight. Today, I will be speaking with Spherical Art, a.k.a. Paul Peterson. Welcome to The Scent Spotlight, Paul. Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be here. Cool. And to get started, uh, I'll ask you the same question that I ask everyone, but could you introduce yourself to The Scent audience? Okay, I'm a digital artist I guess what makes me different is that I find my artwork inside three-dimensional spheres. So that's why I took the the handle spherical art. And that's why that's my handle on every other site that I'm on. Um, It's an unusual way to work. And I've been doing it for about five years and I'm excited to be on scent and share it with everybody. That's cool. And your, your work caught my eye for a number of reasons. Probably the first reason is that your use of color, it's quite striking, but then also it's just the shapes, the geometric patterns that you use. It's there's some of them are so smooth and crisp. Others are are like jagged edges and knives sticking out that just kind of like hold on to you. Uh, but there's a lot of symmetry going on as well. It's, it's all beautiful, but it also kind of reminded me of uh, a, another creator that's on scent, WG Meets, or When Giants Meet, who works with a lot of fractals. And I know that you you like to work with spheres uh, for a lot of your work. Is there any parallels between fractal art and the art that, that you're pursuing with the, the spheres? Well, my understanding of fractals is that they're a mathematical equation and that they replicate themselves. The pattern goes very deep. So you see these videos where they go deep, deep, deep into a fractal, and then they pull out, and there's, it's, like a, it's like a head of broccoli. Everything is um, uh, working in a uh, flowering in the same pattern, in the same manner, uh, based on its math. And the similarity to what I do is that the spheres that I'm working inside of depending on how many faces they have, they're, they're polyhedrons. So, for example, the smallest polyhedron I work in is a tetrahedron, and it only has four sides. It's like a, a pyramid, a basic pyramid. But then if you go up into a, um, a highly divided hexagon, it could have thousands of faces. So, so, but each of them has a pattern inside, so it's a mathematical pattern that connects if you've ever been inside a geodesic dome, you know what I mean. You look around. I love geodesic domes. I always thought it'd be great to live in one. But you look around and you see all these, uh, all, this, um, all these triangles that are connected in a pattern. So that pattern, that mathematical pattern, it shows up in my work. And if I, for example, if I substitute the, the facets for some other object, say I place, uh, make the, the hexagon disappear, but I place another object, 
like a piece of string or a loop in and align it to every uh, facet that was there, uh, that pattern remains. And that pattern then is adopted by the, the objects that I place instead. So, so that, those patterns uh, uh, are really exciting to work with. Now, most people see these patterns uh, by standing in the middle of a sphere. But if you, I, a lot of times I'll put my camera in other places. I'll put it near the edge, and then you get a whole different effect. And, if, and I, I play around with a lot of different types of 3D cameras. I use uh, spherical, cylindrical, orthographic, perspective. These are cameras that come with a 3D modeling program, and I just cycle through them to see what, what kind of uh, discovery I can make. So I, the, the excitement that I've had doing digital art for the past five years is to find stuff that I've never seen before and to share it with people. So I'm sort of like, a, I'm sort of half photographer, half artist, in that I'm, I'm looking for stuff that already exists in my mind. I mean, the math that's in these spheres already exists. I'm just finding it and looking at it in a certain way and showing it. That's fascinating. And you're just running these experiments until you find what you've already seen in your mind's eye or what you have an idea. Right. Uh, exactly. Well, well, I'm one of those guys who, um, that was, who stares at clouds and sees things. <laughs> when I was a little kid, we had this strange wallpaper in my room and I would see all these different things in the wallpaper that weren't intended by the artist. So uh, since I have this vivid imagination, I, I let that run free while I'm doing my artwork. And so if I see something that looks like something, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do a render and I, I do multiple render passes and then I bring them into Photoshop and I accentuate them with color or, or uh, I do color choices in Photoshop. So um, I, I, I put my spin on it. Let's put it that way. I see something and then I make it more like what I see. That's awesome. And it will, you're in passing, you had mentioned that you'd always wanted to leave, live in like a geodesic dome. I did too. When I was younger, when I first came across one of those domed houses, I thought they were spectacular. But then at that moment, my mother just said, oh, it's not the best investment. It's really hard to expand out from it. And from that point, like my dreams of living in a dome were kind of like dashed. It's kind <laughs> just, of like living in a, in a, in a teepee or a yurt. Yeah. All the hot air goes to the top. So it's probably hard to heat it. I'm sure there's a lot of shortcomings, but it was just fascinating to walk inside. One good thing is that they're very stable because the math, um, I think that's why was it Buckminster Fuller wanted to build buildings with geodesic dome structures is because when you get all the facets in place like that and the struts that support them, they're extremely hard or uh, the shape itself is stable. So that that's, uh, I think that's an unexpected uh, uh, result of having it spherical. Um, let, people are probably wondering how I got this idea to do this because it's not it's not usual. So um, I I've been um, I've been I've had art jobs all my life. I've always wanted to be an artist. So I've always tried to find a, a job that had something to do with art. And um, so I've had a lot of freelance jobs. And my most recent job was doing. Um, uh, 3D renderings of Toshiba laptops. Uh, I worked with the, the, the ad agency that, that uh, marketed Toshiba laptops. And to I, I did a lot of work uh, for them. If you went to Best Buy or Walmart uh, or online and looked at 
the Toshiba laptops for sale, you wouldn't be looking at photographs. You'd be looking at my renderings, my 3D renderings. I would take their CAD files and turn them into a 3D model, light them, texture them, and then render them out. Well, Toshiba left the marketplace for personal laptops uh, around 2015. So suddenly I, I had a lot of time on my hands. And um, I like to look at uh, tutorials online to learn new techniques. And uh, I think I was at lynda.com, which is now part of linked, LinkedIn's learning. And um, there was a, a video there, and it's still there. You can go see it now. It, it's... Um, it's by a uh, designer. His name is um, Bradley G. Munkowitz. That's a funny name, but he goes by the handle G. Munk, G-M-U-N-K. And he's, he's a famous designer because he, he contributed to the look of the movie Tron. And he also designed the photo that Microsoft uses for their splash screen that looks like a laser window, a blue window logo. So he's had a lot of um, success in different design areas. And, but he did this video that showed how he found these images inside of a, a, a geometric sphere. And he talks about his process. And it was, he had a beautiful image, a beautiful image that he created inside Maya, inside one of these spheres. And I, the, I, he recorded it in 2014, but it's still up on uh, linked learning if you want to go see it. And that's um, a link I'll, I'll send to you later. But um, I thought that was so neat. And since I had w I've been working in 3D, I thought, well, I have all the, the skills that I could try that myself. So um, I did. And I thought, well, what else can I do? Because I get bored easily. That's why a lot of my work looks different. I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of artists that have a particular style and look but that's not me. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that they love that one thing so much that they have to do it over and over again, or it's because they sold that piece and they want to sell some more pieces. So, but for me, if I do an image once that I'll do a variation of it maybe, but I don't want to do the same thing over and over. again. Actually, that's what I wanted to, to ask you more about. Um, because I think when I saw your name, I would have assumed that everything would just be straight spheres. But like you mentioned, all of your pieces are are so uniquely different from another. I mean, I guess you can probably piece together some common elements uh, from from piece to piece. Yes, mostly they're all made in spheres. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. My technique is is the common denominator, not the not the result so much. Right, right. So I'm just wondering if if you could walk us through like you have a blank slate or you have that image in your mind's eye or, or whatever you, you start a new piece. How do you go from that initial blank slate to finished piece? Well, the, um, that's one of the things I love about this process is that I don't have any intention. Mm. I don't have any mind, anything in my mind's eye. I might say to myself, I wonder what this shape will give me. <laughs> so, um, I used um, I used to use start off with uh, I would go get a, a, a hexagon, a, mm -hmm. a polyhedron, and I'd put it into my 3D scene. And then I would, um, at first, I would just leave it as it is and put a camera in there and look around. But then after a while, I started torturing the sphere, like mm -hmm. pinching it, twisting it, turning it inside out, uh, collapsing the faces, pushing them inward to see what kind of designs that would give me. 
And so I, I would spend weeks doing this every day. I would, I would try to do one or two images. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, well, what if I made them disappear and put something else in there in its place? And, and so I would, uh, I would do things like that. Um, but I don't have, um, I don't have a set thing that I'm looking for. I want to mm-hmm. f- discover something. Mm-hmm. I just know that I want to explore. That's all. So when I start, uh, for example, I had the idea that I would start with the simplest polyhedron and work my way up. That way I would find everything. <laughs> so, so I found the, the smallest polyhedron you can find, which is the tetrahedron. It has only four sides, like I said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like half of a pyramid. It's really, I mean, think of it, four sides. That's not very many. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll be done with this one in no time because there's nothing there. <laughs> and when I put the camera in there and start looking around, I th- and uh, sometimes I'll map textures to the inside faces, uh-huh. and then uh, I'll make them reflective, so mm-hmm. they the, the different faces bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. I found so much stuff in tetrahedrons that I've been working on that for a year, and I still haven't scratched the surface. It seems to me. So, <laughs> so the, I I'll make a decision as to where I'm going to look, or what I might try, but. But, uh, um, and then I archive each of my, when I finished with a file, I find something I've finished with the file. I'll save that file mm-hmm. and I'll give it the same date and time as, as the uh, image that I got out of it. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm sometime in the future, if I want to go back to that file and, and, and work in that vein again, I can do it. It's sort of like going back to a mine and say, Hey, I, I found some, some gold ore in that, in that wall, uh, there might be some more gold in another wall right next to it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the way I work. That's fascinating. And w- with, with a piece like your silly putty city, which it's just so playful. It's, I, I just love the, the way that it flows so perfectly and the loop is so perfectly timed. It's seamless. You can't tell when it starts or stops. It just keeps going. Uh, how does something like that come about? Well, yeah, yeah. Here's how that happened. Um, uh, silly putty city. It, if you take a certain type of camera, like a, um, a spherical camera, now you may not know what that means, but if you've seen a map of the world, you, you know what it produces. It's a camera that, that shows all 360 degrees at one time. So it takes a, a circle and it flattens it out or a, it takes a sphere and flattens it out like a map, you know? So if you go all the way over to the uh, one end of the world map, there's a, uh, the same country that's coming in on the other side. Does that make sense? A map of the globe, but it's flat. It's a 2d map. Okay. Well, um, this, I'm looking at silly putty city right now. And when it's all liquid and flat, the, it tiles the the left side is the same as the right side they meet so you could string the images together and they make a long image but if if you move the camera away from the sphere then what happens is the the horizon disappears and you get this globe like a, like a like a planet okay so all i did here was i had this uh, sphere that had these uh, bumpy little uh, rectangles on it and I just moved the camera back and forth, and I got this effect. That's fantastic. It's, it's incredible, the result. So, so, so when the camera's away, 
you see the sphere in the sky by itself. And then as you move it closer, it, it forces the sphere to sort of unwrap and become one of those maps. What I did was um, in these 3D programs I work in, there's a timeline and so you can set for animation. So you can set the camera in one position on frame one, and then you can go down to frame, say, 24 and, and set it further back. And that's when you get the, the thing in the sky by itself, like it's bounced up. And then you take those, you render out those 24 frames and take them into Photoshop, and you can use the timeline to create a frame animation. And that's how I create uh, a GIF. I, I uh, bring it into Photoshop get a sequence of images, bring it into Photoshop and, and create the GIF. Um, and so th this is really a, it's not a very bulky piece of art. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I really like scent because uh, scent gives me the opportunity to, to show off my, uh, my GIFs. And I think going forward, I'd like to do more GIFs also because, um, I, I'm, I'm so new to the NFT world, uh, I haven't sold anything yet and I've only been on scent for just over two weeks, <laughs> but I have this big archive of work that I want to show. Um, but uh, so I'm a total newbie. I've been reading everything I can find. I've been listening to your podcasts. Uh, I read the, uh, the NFT Bible by Devin uh, Frenzer. Yeah. And I've, I've listened, uh, I found out about the different platforms where you can sell uh, I'm not on any platform yet, but I've applied. Um, so uh, I'll wait to see if I get accepted. But, um, but it, 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 it's sort of like uh, I had no place to really to, um, to show my work or really to sell my digital art. Um, and then I've, two weeks ago, I, f I found out. Actually, I found out from another sentient. Um, her name is Marianne Ede. And uh, her, her name, is uh, she goes by uh, Pajarita Flora. And, oh, okay, 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 okay. And she's um, she was a, a follower of mine on Twitter. I've been on Twitter ever since I started doing the digital art, and I've also been on um, Instagram for a couple years less than that. And so I have um, I have people that follow my artwork there, but uh, there's there's no uh, financial gain, and there's no. Um, I have interactions there on those platforms, but not like the interactions we have on Scent. Scent is really rich for, uh, for having more long-form interactions. Uh, for example, uh, people will comment on my work and say, how did you do that? And uh, I have room and space to do some screen caps and show them. So that's, that's cool. And we're, we're trying to add better image and GIF support uh, that should be coming in, in the next couple of weeks to, to make your images and everyone else's images really pop and, and look as, as beautiful as, as they should. Be. Well, <laughs> they're pretty good right now, so I don't know what you're going to do to make them better, but that sounds terrific. Yeah. And then, well, I know you're, you're still in the application phase for the NFT marketplaces, but I can't believe that you're going to have to wait much longer. I mean, your work, your work is, is so polished and I'm excited to, to start bidding for some of these pieces. That was actually one of the things I was super curious about because I go to your profile and thinking, surely you're going to be on one of these NFT marketplaces, but you, you, ha you weren't. Uh, you aren't yet. just yeah I just found out about nfts just just recently so uh, I'd say in the last month uh, so I started uh, on the last day of January here so it's been about just over two weeks 
so I'm really curious to get your perspective then. I mean, since you're, you're so fresh, but obviously you're coming from uh, a really, really heavy background in, in digital arts and a passion for this area that just meshes so well with what's going on in, in the crypto art space. Uh, so what do you, what is your impression of crypto art and NFTs and all of this, all of this new stuff that's happening and bubbling up uh, in our corner of the internet? Well, I've, I've known about blockchain or cryptocurrency for several years now, but I never owned any and I never purchased any. And don't, the first cryptocurrency I purchased was so that I could have bounties on cent. <laughs> so that's, so I'm, I'm a total newbie in so many ways compared to other people who are on cent who have so much more knowledge about this. So I, I, I can't, uh, I can't look at, any of the the posts without wanting to jump in and learn more because there's so much posted here about those topics. Um, so, but one thing that I noticed is that uh, being on a, a more traditional site that sells uh, physical art, like uh, or real life paintings and things like that um, was that they really rewarded people who work on canvas with traditional art materials. And that's not my prefer. That's not my preference. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those, I grew up in a big family. I have, um, I have six brothers and two sisters and art supplies were really scarce. <laughs> you know, coloring books were all used up. <laughs> you, you couldn't find anything to work with. And so like, uh, having to, having to put my paint on a fresh canvas and, and what if I waste all that uh, material and it, it turns out terrible and I, my watercolor fails and I can't, I have to start over again. That's what I love about digital art. Uh, I started doing art on the computer quite a few years ago. And I just loved that I could do, I could save it, change it, undo it, experiment. Like it, it freed me. So, so I appreciate those who do, um, do art in the physical world. But for me, I can do so much more and explore more in a digital world. And, and, What's amazing to me is that there's a lot of, I didn't, uh, digital art on some previous marketplaces that I've explored uh, that were more traditional art, they, um, they didn't value or they looked down, I think, a little bit on digital art. And when I found the NFT spaces, those platforms, uh, here's a lot of um, people who really like digital art. I mean, their lives are digital. They, they want to own it. They want to value it. They, uh, they appreciate it. And um, that seems like the place for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, digital art is finally treated like a first-class citizen uh, over in this neck of the woods. And it's art that is created to be viewed on a screen as opposed to art in the traditional world, which is uh, beautiful and obviously amazing and has had a rich history and it's the reason why people are thinking and working in digital art, but that is work that's supposed to be viewed in person or on a wall or ends up getting stored in a vault, which prevents a lot of people from ever experiencing the work as it probably properly should be, right? Whereas now that everyone has, like, there's billions of screens that everyone all over the world has access to, they're able to actually experience this art as intended to be experienced, which is, I just think, so incredible. And I mean, people are just coming around to the magic in this space. And I'm just super excited to see what 
what will come out of this, how many people will be inspired to create digital art and start minting it and selling it. And the collaborations that'll come out of that, because I mean, we're all already communicating on these amazing communication channels, uh, reaching out to someone like yourself or any of these other artists, it's just a message away. Uh, it just seems, and the fact that you have these smart contracts in the back that could facilitate the payments so that you don't need to worry about trusting Paul or Mike or whomever, right? So you don't have to worry about that kind of potential nasty stuff. It's just kind of awesome. There's the authenticity too that the blockchain provides in, in uh, authenticating it, the ownership and, mm -hmm. and tracking things and, and uh, following back to see what the transaction history was. That's great. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying about collaboration. I did some collaboration with an artist in uh, Australia. He's on Instagram. His name is, uh, his title there is at uh, Bukwa, B-U-C-W-A-H. Okay. And I've been messaging him there, telling him to get over to Scent. <laughs> his work would really be appreciated, I think. He, he does impossible geometry. What's that? And uh, by that, I mean like... Um, uh, he does uh, like geometric patterns that are more like MC Escher. They can't, they're like the infinity symbol. They, they don't, okay. they can't exist in real life. Okay. And, okay. And they twist your mind when you look at them. And the way we collaborated was, um, see, I work with triangular facets in a lot of the spheres that I use. Mm -hmm. And he makes a lot of triangular pieces of art. Mm -hmm. They're triangles. He likes to work with three sides. And so I asked him uh, if I could, um, if I could take one of his patterns and map it to the, to the uh, triangles that are in my models and then take pictures. And some of the results we got were amazing, but because it was a collaboration, I never showed the, that work. Um, we agreed to show it on Instagram, but I've never shown it anywhere else really. Uh, maybe a little bit on Twitter, but always with acknowledging his contribution or a collaboration. Mm -hmm. But now there's sites like Known Origin where yep. where two people can collaborate and and uh, market their work. Multiple parties, not just two. It's, it's it could be two, ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be a whole group, which is really exciting too. I've seen um, you did a an interview with yeah Miss Al Simpson, and. So I went on to Super Rare and took a look at, at her work, and she uh, did a collaboration. Was it part of a collaboration with about uh, six other people? So that, that mm -hmm. was fantastic. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, well, my next question is, I, I mean, I don't know how, how you answer this. Uh, that's what I'm curious to, to ask it. But I feel like a lot of every creator and the work that they, they make, some part of them, some facet, of maybe their personality or who they are as a person or their philosophy is somehow embedded within the work that they create. If you look back through the work that you shared on scent and just the work that you you've made to date, if you had to, to pick the pieces of yourself or the parts of yourself that are in your work, what would you say those uh, elements are? Well, uh, number one, I really love color. Like I would be so disappointed to be colorblind because <laughs> Color really turns me on, uh, so I I really um, it's it's like it's, some people have a talent a talent for music or uh, they have perfect pitch. Um, I don't have perfect color sense, but I really enjoy color a lot. So it's very meaningful to me. So I the 
play, so color is a big, a big element or a big combining element in my work. And then I think, you know, when you go to, say you go to a, a psychotherapist's office and they show you a Rorschach ink plot, and that's meant to see, you know, where your head's at based on what you see. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think that um, the things that I see when I'm discovering patterns and stuff inside of uh, digital art sort of give an indication of where my head's at. Um, it can be interpreted in different ways, but um, I like to make up little stories. Um, sometimes if I make an image, I'll, um, that's another neat thing about scent is you can post some poetry here. And um, so uh, if I, if I think of a story beyond just the visual, if the visual inspires a little story, I'll try to make up a little story about it, either in the description or in a poem of some sort. Like um, your, your plumbing haiku. Uh, yes. I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, when I <laughs> see that was a, that's a strange, you know, when you put a camera, the, the way I did that one is that uh, you put a camera inside a, a thing and then you, you can add lens distortion. And I was playing around with lens distortion with the, and it's, it makes things, it makes that outer ring. That outer ring is created by the lens distortion. But it, if you get it just right, it, the object that's in the middle, which was the original sphere, it starts connecting to that ring. And I thought, that's, that's so strange. It's like uh, if you turn it upside down, it'd be an epiglottis, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> in your, yeah, in yeah, the back yes, of your yes. throat. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's <laughs> a little dangling thing. What is yeah. that thing? So I tried to, my mind tried to make a little story out of it. What the heck is that? That's uh, it's like a psychedelic mushroom growing in a pipe. It's <laughs> like a cross-section of a pipe. So uh, I guess I, um, another thing that would come through, I guess, is my playfulness. Uh, I, I'm very playful with the stuff that I find. And uh, one thing I, I just discovered recently that I'm very excited about is um, uh, there's a piece that's uh, a post that I did on Scent called Art from Inside Heads. And if you scroll down, uh, uh, you'll see it. It's from February 9th. Um, yeah, that really excited me because I, I thought, well, why don't I, I've been doing 3d spheres. Why don't I do 3d heads? Because they're spheres too, in a way. I mean, they're roundish. And, and so I, I was putting cameras inside head, uh, head models that I found on CG trader or turbo squid. You can get free head models there and then just put a camera inside. So, uh, I, 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 this was with an orthographic uh, lens. Now, the thing about an orthographic lens is it gets rid of all perspective. So what I did was I had the camera in there and I had some lights in there and I backed out. And as I backed the camera out, the orthographic camera uh, has like what's called a clipping plane. It cuts away part of the, the scene based on the distance of the camera to the object. And when I did that, I, I had the, a silhouette of a face that looks normal. If you squint your eyes, it looks normal. But when you, when it's cut away like this and you see the outer face with the inner face, the inner face is looking in one direction and the outer face is looking in another direction. And it just seems so spooky to me, so eerie to me. And I had never seen that before. It, so, it is really trippy. That's the kind of discovery I love to find. Some things like that, things like that. I don't think I've ever seen that anywhere else. When I first came across, I was like, is it looking at me? And then I looked at it. I'm like, hold on. It's looking. What, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. 
So I know that you're you're waiting to hear back from the NFT platforms. Maybe they already messaged you uh, during the course of our conversation. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> but aside uh, from I have to be patient. <laughs> but aside but from getting, uh, I guess, uh, whitelisted uh, to those marketplaces, like in the next couple of months, since you're you're still super new to this space, uh, do you have any targets or any goals of what you would like to achieve? Do you want to sell your first minted piece in that time? Do you have any specific projects that you're working on that you you would like to share? Yeah, i i would I would like to to. Um... I'd like to see if I could, uh, you know, what happens when I sell my first piece. I don't know what that's, what that'll be like or how much it'll go for, but um, I try not to, you know, artists always have to deal with this letting go of their art when they sell it uh, or, you know, relinquish their, some of their rights to it. And um, so I, that's a tough experience because not because I haven't sold a lot of, of art, but um I have a lot of art and I it's just sitting on my hard drive and I, I want it to be seen. So um, I'm excited to, that it'll be out there. Uh, and in a way it's so that when I'm gone, I, I, my relatives will have to come in and, uh, and get rid of my computer stuff and my hard drive will probably go in the trash. <laughs> so <laughs> I might as well get this stuff out there now. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, and uh, yeah, I want to do more animation. Uh, um, there's some, I work in a, a, the people probably wondering what, what programs do you work in? So I work in um, a 3d modeling program. That's a general program like C4D, but it's called Modo. It's made by a company called the foundry and they make a lot of, um, a software for movies like nuke, um, that does, um, you know, sort of like super duper after effects, if you will. But I work in all the Adobe, um, uh, programs and I, I like to work in Adobe After Effects. There's a great uh, plugin. Uh, well, Adobe After Effects now supports 3D models, so I can bring in the 3D models from uh, through C4D, which is uh, linked into the program. Or there's a plugin called Element 3D. Element 3D. And it's made by a company called Video Copilot, and they do wonderful. Uh, plugins and and they give you away a lot of free stuff and they have wonderful tutorials um and like for example this recent one that i posted uh, pulsar i posted it 12 hours ago uh, that was done in in after effects with uh, element 3d and uh, all those little dots you see there are actually the um vertices of triangles that are moving back and forth and and uh, I just love the, it's sort of like a particle effect generator um, element 3d is. So I want, I want to do more, um, more GIFs. I think, I think when I look at super rare and known origin and, and maker's place and other places like that, I think uh, people like movement and uh, I like still images, but also, but um, I think that's, I think, Movement is, is terrific because it's so uh, attention-getting. Uh, the first thing you spoke about today was the was Silly Putty City there. <laughs> so <laughs> it caught your attention. Uh, yeah. And, but another thing I like to do is uh, it's, not, it's not recognizable, but a lot of my work tiles. Uh, by tiles, I mean it repeats left and right. Not top and bottom so much, but left and right. So I'd like to do – I like the idea of doing something that goes all the way around. Uh, 
so maybe I could do something like that. And, and there's VR, you know, uh, if you think about it, VR is like, a, remember that movie, the Truman show where he, he was in a, he was in a VR world. I mean, he, or QR world. He was in a, a dome that was in Los Angeles somewhere. And the sky was up there on top. And he had, I guess they had clouds in there too. But when he tried to escape, he ran into the side of the edge of the sky. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, virtual reality is like that too. It's, it's sort of like mapped into this center of the sphere. And so, so that's my work sort of fits in that space. So I think it would be cool eventually to, to make some, uh, to do some stuff in virtual reality. And that's something else I have to discover because I don't have a headset yet. I don't even have Google cardboard yet. So when I go to, <laughs> when I go to crypto voxels for a meetup, I've got to, I've got to do it through my uh, browser and it's sort of limited. I think most people are still using their, their browser for like crypto voxels and even like Decentraland where I saw one video from Connie and it almost reminded me of what you were describing. Not, not the, not the dome because over there, everything is still um, just uh, like yes. cubed and everything like that. But you were in a room and the images were, were uh, set on each side to, and top and bottom so perfectly that it looked like a totally different world but then as he turned around and looked outside of whatever that room was you see like the rest of the decentraland world and i hadn't seen and i've never seen that over in in crypto voxels i've seen very like limited like different parts of it like for for puzzles and stuff like that but mm -hmm. decentraland looks quite interesting and based on what you, your ambitions may be to create like a Truman-like show experience in virtual uh, reality. Uh, Decentraland may be very interesting. That's something I want to, I need to dig into more, more as well. So there's so much to dig into <laughs> so much. It's a never ending rabbit hole. It just goes deeper and deeper and splinters off into all these other sub tracks. And it's, it's fantastic. I, I love it. Yeah. I can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah. It's exciting. This is a, an exciting time to be alive and be an artist. I think everybody should realize that 100%. Yes. But before we close this out, um, just let the folks know uh, outside of scent uh, where they should be looking for your work, uh, where they should be following you. Um, well, I'm on Instagram as at spherical art and I'm on Twitter as uh, spherical underscore art. Uh, I couldn't, somebody else took spherical art. Who the hell Twitter. took that? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I also have a, a website with a, an Instagram feed, which is kind of cool. And, and that's called sphericalart.com. So uh, you can go there and see some of my work. And I have some blog posts there that I, I haven't done them very many lately, but I've, I've got a few up there that talk about my process. If you want to learn more about how I do my work, uh, there's some blog posts up there that kind of describe it. And um, I, I can't, uh, I, I want to mention a, a few artists usually ask the question, who do you like on scent? And um, there's some new people that have just joined. When I say new, I'm new, but there's people even newer than me who just, there's a lot of artists coming on board. And uh, there's one I really like. Her name is, uh, her handle is Paola, P-A-O-L-A. And uh, I'm I definitely watching her work. It, it really catches my eye. And um, she I just noticed that she did a collaboration with your last interviewee, Dowdy. And, uh, and that's, they did a nice job. And I'm glad to see they're collaborating. 
and um, uh, other artists. Let's see, uh, I had a list here. Um, James S.W. and uh, um, oh, uh, I like Ozzy Master. He does mushrooms. That's what <laughs> you got to check out Ozzy Masters mushrooms. They're so cool. And so I, there's, there's just a ton of, of people and there's new people coming all, all the time. And I mentioned before, um, uh, uh, Pajarita Flora, she's, uh, she's new as well, but she's been on uh, super rare and other places for a while. And, and um, she's getting into Blender, which is a, a free 3D program. So if, if somebody out there wants to do what I'm doing or follow my path, um, they could get Blender and you can download it for free. And it's a very powerful uh, general 3D modeling program and, and try out what I'm describing. Nice. Well, Paul, it, it's been an absolute blast to chat with you. Um, we'll definitely make a lot of show notes for this episode. I feel like the the programs that you listed uh, could be super helpful uh, to anyone who's curious about how you make what you make and maybe looking for uh, a way into uh, experimenting uh, with the sort of creation uh, that you're so expertly and skillfully uh, presenting <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, um, we need all hands on deck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. On this well, open sea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, again, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, well, I'll I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days, and I'll let you get back to your day. Uh, so thank you very much for chatting. Thanks, Matthew. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did recording it. My next spotlight will be with fellow sentient Astro Zach. So check that out next week. I also have some really amazing talks coming up with Oshinachi, Matthew Kane. And then when it comes to projects in the crypto space, Rizzo and I will be speaking with Rarible and Axie Infinity and the NBA. So look out for those episodes. And again, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and recommend it to some friends that you think you would really like it. Thanks, everyone, and sent on.